And now we come to the thrilling final episode of our radio drama. Ron Wolfley. Yeah, baby, bring it on! Luke Lipinski. The great Luke Lipinski. You're <laughs> devaluing the word great if you follow with Luke Lipinski. <laughs> Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Final hour of the show, live from the Auction Community Studios. And Wolf, we kind of joked about this when we had Lorenzo Alexander in here earlier for the uh, the lowdown, as we do every uh, Thursday here during football season. But the injury report for the Cardinals and the Vikings, okay? I'm just going to read it to you. Right, you get in your car right yeah. now. You're like, okay, it's week eight. You know, sometimes, sometimes injuries are going to play a role. Which team has maybe some of the bigger names on their injury report? Okay, so this is this is uh, hasn't been updated yet today because they're they're practicing. But here's here's the injury report. Okay, let's start with the Cardinals. Uh, okay, Wednesday didn't practice. Max Garcia, Dennis Gardeck, Rodney Hudson, DJ Humphreys, Christian Matthew, Jalen Thompson. All right, okay, well that's that's quite a few guys. That's actually better than what it's been in the past. Yeah, that's the sad thing. Uh, limited. All right, well Kelvin Beecham, Zach Ertz, and JJ Watt. It was all rest, so that kind of set those aside. But also limited. James Conner, Cody Ford, Matt Prater. Daryl Williams, and then uh, also... Boy, those four guys right there. Pretty huge, big players. Honestly, right now, I if you told me all four of those guys were going to play, I'd feel real good. I haven't read a lot of names here on this injury report that you're like, oh yeah, the Cardinals don't need him. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like, oh yeah, that's the seventh defensive end that wasn't going to play anyway. And then Trayvon Mullins also on the uh, report with a hamstring issue, but he did practice on Wednesday. Okay, so you got all those? Yes. Okay, now let's compare them to the Vikings list. Okay, you ready for the Vikings yeah, list? Yeah, I'm ready. Here we go. Okay, I don't know if we have enough time to get through all of it. Okay, for the Vikings, here's the guys on the injury report. Jalen Naylor. That's it. And he practiced in full. <laughs> Your sarcasm once again. <laughs> Well, that's what they gave me. That's, okay, there it is. It's the material I have to work it with. It is truly incredible right now, Basin Onions. When you think of the Minnesota Vikings and you think of how healthy they have been, it's staggering. I, I mean, it's like nothing I've ever seen. I look at the Arizona Cardinals, and I, I think to myself, I, I don't know if I have ever seen a team so banged up the way that they have consistently been banged up. All through preseason, that's how it seemed at least, and into the regular season, it just we all know how banged up they've been. I say the same thing in the exact opposite way about the Minnesota Vikings. They have played six games, and they've missed one man game from a starter. One. You gotta be out of 22 starting positions? It's unbelievable. It's, I, I don't know if I've ever seen that. And with all due respect to Jalen Naylor, he has one target this year. So the one guy in their injury report, who, by the way, did practice in full, so he's totally available, has, <laughs> has one target. He's not even the leading Jalen receiver on the Vikings because they have Jalen Rager, who has three catches this year. So it's not like wow. they're really struggling in Minnesota. Hey, I think I'm kind of figuring out why they're 5-1, and one, Wolf. Yeah. If, you are, if you're going to be healthy... And much healthier than your opponent each week. And I'm guessing most weeks they have been the healthier team because of what you just said. There's no other team that's kind of coasting through the season like that. Then you're going to go far. There was a couple, what was it? A couple years ago. Was it the year the Rams? I think it was the year the Rams made the Super Bowl but lost. But their offensive line, their starting five played yeah, every game. Right. Yes. And that alone is going to put you in the playoffs, probably. Yes. Uh, Kevin O'Connell, of course, is the new head coach for the Minnesota Vikings. And the talk of training camp, the talk of preseason, was how ill-prepared the Minnesota Vikings were going to be when the regular season started. 
because he was he was not going out and practicing hard. They rarely put the pads on. Um, everybody in the media was speculating as to whether or not this team was going to be ready for the start of the season, and they get off to a five and one start, and they miss one one man game from their starters. In the first six games. And now they have a bye week before they come play the Cardinals. It, it honestly <laughs> is truly an amazing thing to, to behold right now. And there's a lot of people that compared Kevin O'Connell and how he prepared a team to what Cliff Kingsbury was doing. And we know the exact opposite has happened here um, with the Cardinals. Yet both those coaches prepared their team for the regular season the same way. That is bizarre to me. That's that's it right there because you could point to the Cardinals and be like, look, Minnesota's guys are healthy. You guys didn't, you, you treated the preseason like it was an obstacle and now all your guys are hurt. But so did Minnesota. Yes. And none of their guys are hurt. I know. I mean, everyone up there in Minnesota, they were talking about it, Luke, all summer. They were talking about it while they were in training camp. They were talking, where's the hitting? What are you doing? Uh you got to get this team ready to go, Kevin. Aren't you worried about that? No, he was not worried about that. And look at him. <laughs> Healthy as you could yeah, possibly like get now. in the NFL. And, oh, by the way, got off to a 5-1 and one start. Oh, my goodness. It's, Are it's, you kidding me? It's the names on this injury report for the Cardinals, too. Not the names for Minnesota, because there isn't multiple names. But for the Cardinals, I mean, these... These guys are all starters. Right. Yes. Or or if they're not starters, they were going to start because everybody else is hurt. Like you're getting down to third string at some of these positions. What is DJ Humphreys doing on here with a back issue? Okay. If I had to pick one 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 name out of all this right now, okay. Um, Trayvon Mullen. That's who you would want back more than anybody? No. Oh. Um, Trayvon, can I talk to you? Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? With Trayvon Mullen. I'll tell you what's going on is the guy that they traded. They traded for Trayvon Mullen because they weren't going to have Antonio Hamilton. They also probably wanted depth at the yes. position. Well, Hamilton's back. <laughs> and Marco Wilson's playing good. That's right. And Byron Murphy looks like a shutdown corner. Trayvon, man. Seriously. I would assume, since he's the only guy on this list for the Cardinals to practice in full, he'll be good to go for Sunday. But there's too many offensive linemen on this list to feel good about this game, Wolf. Yes, um, there's no doubt. The offensive line is my biggest concern. It's my biggest concern right now because Rodney Hudson is not just... It's not just Rodney Hudson. It's not just a guy that is a quality starter. He, he's a guy that also is a team leader inside that locker room. And I think he's going to be day-to-day for the rest of the season, which well, is not good. This is Cliff Kingsbury yesterday about Rodney Hudson. I hope so. Um, some maintenance stuff that we're working through, but I'm hoping the next couple of weeks we can have him back, which would be huge. I mean, he's, he's another guy that when he's played for us in this offense, he's, uh, he's played at a high level. Next couple of weeks does not sound like Sunday. No. Does it? No. I mean, I'm not misinterpreting that, am I? No. Technically, if he played on Sunday, that would be within the next couple of weeks. But when the coach is saying, I'm hoping we get him back in the next couple of weeks, yeah. that's not great. Okay, so let's see. You, Rodney Hudson really is not, is not playing. I, I don't expect Rodney Hudson to play this Sunday. Based on that cut right there, I don't expect him to play this Sunday. Now, I, if he does, great. I'm going to have a parade. Give me the baton. <laughs> 
You I'll do love all, a parade. I'll be all jacked up because, look, everybody, it's Rodney Hudson. He's playing right there. But, okay, Billy Price did a good job. He really did against the Saints, man. I don't want to take anything away from him. He did a really, really good job, and uh, that does encourage me. But Rodney Hudson, J- Justin Pugh, man. You're kidding me. You're starting left guard. Not only your center, you're starting left guard. And now you're telling me DJ Humphreys? He, he's a question mark. Cody Ford's on game? here. Max Garcia. Uh, <sighs> Kelvin Beecham is on here for rest. Now, why did you, why did well, you throw I, in I Cody just, Ford? Well, you just had to do that. Men. Just throw in Cody Ford and Max Garcia. To just totally make that bruise bigger. They, they have more offensive linemen on the injury report this week, the Cardinals do, than Minnesota's had total <laughs> players all year combined. That's why I had to throw oh it out Oh, my there. goodness. Woe uh, is me. Coming up next, we're going to help you set your fantasy football lineups for week eight. It does start tonight after our with our uh, fantasy reality check. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke present Fantasy Reality Check, where fantasy football gets a reality check from 10-year NFL fullback, four-time pro bowler, Ron Wolfley. All right, week eight is here, so if you're driving around, you're like, oh my God, I haven't set my lineup for week eight fantasy football, pull over. Get off the road. Yeah. Set your lineup. Because if you have any Buccaneers or Ravens, you got to get them in your lineup if you're going to use them. Although now that I think about it, Wolf, maybe you should just get all the Buccaneers out of your lineup. Yeah, maybe you want to do that. Right. What, what do you do with anybody on Tampa Bay's offense right now? Like Leonard Fournette earlier this season was putting up points, but as you said earlier, they don't really run the ball. Uh, Chris Godwin isn't putting up points. Mike Evans is dropping passes. Tom Brady... I'm just going to start scrolling and scrolling and scrolling until I see where he ranks among fantasy points for quarterbacks this season because it's not good. He's not on the first, but he's moved up a little bit, but he's behind Daniel Jones and Trevor Lawrence. So that's not where you expect Tom Brady when you draft him. You know what's amazing about this, though, when you think of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, dead last in the league in rushing yards per game and rushing yards per play. Dead last, okay? But that's not... That's not a big deal. To me, what's a big deal is Tom Brady. Tom Brady is number one in interception rate in the National Football League. He's number one. And number two in sacks per attempt, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Number two. He's not turning the ball over. He's not getting sacked. And yet at the same time, he doesn't look like Tom Brady. No. And this, this to me, is one of the most maddening things about fantasy football if you're playing because it's like the worst thing in fantasy football, Wolf, and I'm sure you know this, is when you have a player score a bunch of points on your bench. No, I... I know that. That was sarcastic. But you know, that makes sense. It's, it's, it's just, it's, it I, I'd almost rather just lose than have somebody on my bench go off, but they're on my bench. And Brady, so what are you going to do? You're going to start Tom Brady, who is 23rd in fantasy points per game among quarterbacks this year. You're going to start him against Baltimore on Thursday night. Or do you have a better option? If you got, I mean, probably got like Tua. Tua is probably a better option against Detroit. But are you really going to sit Tom Brady? 
Because you no. know, primetime prime time Tom is the opposite of primetime Kirk Cousins. Primetime, there's a there's always that chance where he just goes off and has four touchdowns tonight, and all of a sudden Tampa's back on track. Here's the one thing that the Baltimore Ravens actually do well, and that is they get after the quarterback. Um, in the top third in the National Football League in sacks per attempt, so strength versus strength tonight. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have done a great job of protecting Tom Brady. I think a lot of that is because of Tom Brady himself, period. Protecting himself. Um, They're going to come after him, I'm sure, and they're good at going after another quarterback and also picking a quarterback. The Baltimore Ravens, number six in interception rate in the National Football League. So something's got to give tonight. We'll see. I want to throw this out there, too, because it happened earlier in the show. If you are looking for, like, a flyer as a receiver to pick up who was probably drafted but might be dropped in your league, Kadarius Toney got dealt to Kansas City. Now, to me, Wolf, a lot of the Kadarius Toney hype was because he was in New York, but there's a lot of belief this guy could be a a good receiver in this league, and as much as the Giants have been impressive winning games, their offense hasn't done a whole lot, and you have to think if he really earns playing time in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes, there could maybe be something there. Not, you know, not somebody you're building your team around, but somebody you could pick up going into week eight and just stash him on the bench just in case. Just wondering why... Why the Kansas City Chiefs felt so desperate to go out and get a wide receiver? It's weird. They gave up a, a conditional third and a sixth for Kadarius Tony. Marcus Valdez Scantling's been looking better. Juju's been looking better. Travis Kelsey was never looking bad. Uh, McCole Hardman's getting in the end zone now. Like, um, the, the Chiefs don't look like they need receivers. No, do they know something we don't? <laughs> about Tony or that about, somebody's hurt? No, about somebody on their roster right now. That's what it looked like, it, right? It certainly does. Talking about the number two passing team in the National Football League in terms of yards per game and yards per play. They are... They are almost unstoppable, and they're the number one scoring offense in the NFL. That just seems weird. Yeah, everything we said earlier in the show about how the offenses are struggling around the National Football League does not apply to Kansas City. They are just fine, and that is Pat a team Mahomes. that lost their number one receiver, obviously, in the offseason, and it didn't slow them down at all. Uh, I'm going to throw a name at you, Wolf. This is a guy that was not drafted very highly in a lot of fantasy leagues because, for whatever reason, a lot of people felt like the Raiders were ready to move on from Josh Jacobs. So, Vegas at New Orleans this weekend. Here's Josh Jacobs' last three games. 441 rushing yards, six touchdowns. That's his last three games. (laughs) I love Josh Jacobs. Absolutely love the type of running back So does Josh McDaniels, apparently. No doubt about it. But remember in preseason, man, they were talking about some type of trade for Josh Jacobs. That just dissipated quickly, didn't it? I mean, that's interesting, though, now that you say that. Yeah, like, would a team remember that, man. Yeah, but would a team... I mean, the Raiders are... I guess the Raiders aren't done. The trade deadline's coming up on Tuesday. Would they be like, we could get a haul for Josh Jacobs? We're giving him the ball 30 times a game if they don't feel like they're going to make the playoffs. Right now, the Vegas Raiders, that's what I call them, not Las Vegas Raiders, the Vegas Raiders, um, number three in the National Football League in rushing yards per play. And a lot of that is because of Josh Jacobs. They're averaging well over five yards a carry when they run the ball. Um, 
What a beautiful thing that is for any offense when you can run the ball, especially because, yes, you can convert on short yardage and goal line situations, but you can also convert those red zone possessions into touchdowns. Man, you can run the ball. That means your play action is probably really, really good. What a blessing it is to be able to run the ball. Speaking of running the ball, Giants and Seahawks this weekend. Kenneth Walker. This isn't even his last three games. This is his last like two and a half games because Rashad Penny was playing in one of those. Kenneth Walker, 352 rushing yards and four touchdowns in the last like two and a half games. These are the players that win you leagues, Wolf, where you can get a guy like Kenneth Walker that, depending how deep your league was, was probably drafted really late or maybe even wasn't drafted or he was he was cut after the first week because Rashad yeah. Penny was running so well. And now you get a guy that we don't even know what his ceiling is. It's going to be tough this week against the Giants. But you don't know what his ceiling is. I mean, you got to start this guy every week right now. Yeah, and I'm sure you'd like somebody else to carry the load with Kenneth Walker the third. I'm sure you'd love that if you're Pete Carroll, which is one of the reasons why the Kareem Hunt rumors that are out there. I hate that. The Seattle Seahawks, that's very interesting, and I'm with you on that. I hate that thought. I was looking at the odds to win the NFC West. I, I believe Seattle is still third in odds to win the division. It goes San Francisco, the Rams, and then Seattle. And okay, then thank you. Seattle's in first place. Yeah, great. Yeah. We'll how see how that goes. Uh, and I then, saw the tape. Pete, I saw the <laughs> ever tape. Ever since you said you saw the tape, I saw the tape, better. Pete. Uh, Arizona, Minnesota, real quick, of course, the uh, the local game. The two biggest things that you have to look at in this one in terms of fantasy football, Wolf. One, who steps up alongside DeAndre Hopkins? Because, A, there might be somebody there, whether it is Greg Dortch or Rondale Moore or Robbie Anderson. Those are the sort of guys you might actually be able to pick up in your league. B, Kyler Murray as a fantasy quarterback is usually really good this year. Just He's just kind of been meh. Meh. Yeah. 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 Um, Leads the league in meh. Can I say right now, Greg Dortch? Greg Dortch, pick him up. Yes, bring Greg Dortch back. I, I honestly, once again, Greg Dortch continues to rear his head. Every time you give that kid an opportunity, he shows up. Every time. At some point, you've got to believe what you see. And you got to go with Greg Dortch. Try to get him the ball more. Well, it's it's nothing but questions right now outside of DeAndre Hopkins in the passing game. So, yeah, is Rondale Moore ahead of Greg Dortch on the depth chart? Probably. But Greg Dortch is the one making the plays. Yes. Right? So at a certain point, the Cardinals are going to be in survival mode. This is the other thing I wanted to throw out there. In terms of fantasy defenses, the Cardinals this year, number six overall for fantasy, fantasy scoring. Wait a minute. What is that based on now? Points allowed, sacks, touch, defensive touchdowns. Okay, do you have that in your league that you play? Everybody has defense in their league. Well, they, you, what, they, no, not everyone does have they defense should. in their league. You no, know, we just don't have the all-defense league you wanted us to start. Yeah, no, exactly. As a matter of fact, um, well, I can't believe you said that right there because the, not every league has defense, Well, they should. Right? Every league I should. I mean, you know that, though. I've never played in a league that didn't have defense. Some leagues have individual defensive players, Wolf. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, maybe I better brush up on that. That's another story for another day. But, yeah, the Cardinals, sixth in fantasy scoring among defenses this season. All right, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. A new name has emerged as a potential owner for the Phoenix Suns. We'll tell you who it is. I can tell you you've heard of him. Next, it's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 
kind of weird. Suns, Coyotes, everybody off tonight, and then all of a sudden, everybody plays tomorrow and Sunday, Wolf. The uh, Suns will get the New Orleans Pelicans. Looking forward to that game. I do think uh, that's probably a game in New Orleans they're approaching, as uh, this is maybe a bit of a measuring stick for them. Much like the Suns were probably approaching that Golden State game earlier this week. Does mean we'll have to see Jose Alvarado, though, again. (laughs) You can't wait for that, though. Come on. We all can't wait for that. Might not see Zion. He's not playing again. Yeah. I know. Um, I would like to actually see Zion. Uh, Honestly, it's amazing. Um, He's one of these guys that I've seen him so many times before. Yes, uh, didn't look like Zion, had a different name, was wearing a different jersey, had a different color scheme on, no doubt about it. But a guy that had all the talent in the world and for whatever reason just could not seem to be available. Just, and yeah. I'm wondering about him and the rest of his career being that way. We'll see. He was uh, he was great the first couple games for the Pelicans, but he did miss the last one after kind of an awkward play with Jordan Clarkson. So something to keep an eye on there heading into tomorrow's game. Uh, as far as ownership, Wolf, and I don't think this is like a distraction for the team. We already kind of talked about that in the offseason now with, with the news that Roberts are selling the team. I don't think it's a distraction for the team, but it is still a story. Bill Simmons, who's typically pretty connected around the NBA, he is... Um, he kind of he falls into that grapevine you always talk about in the NFL where you're just kind of he's around a lot of the stuff. He's yep. around a lot of basketball people and so stuff just kind of finds its way to him. On his podcast on Tuesday, he had Charles Barkley on, and they talked about this. The days of somebody being able to put in a little bit amount of money and run the team, those days are over. But that, oh, that, uh-huh. was a, yes. that was a moment. The one guy who might pull it off, and I heard, I'm probably breaking some news here, but I heard Obama's involved in one of the groups. And that's the one guy that I feel like they would make him the actual face, and the money guys would be so happy to have him at the front that they would just be like, cool, yeah, you you, well, you can, well, Well, time out. Yeah. If Obama, if Obama called me, hell yeah, I'm buying him. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, if, if Obama calls me, if President Obama calls me and says, hey, would you be a part on our team? Hell yeah. You know, I got so much love and admiration for that All guy. Right, so you, you're throwing your hat in the ring. Uh, that would be a name. Everybody knows Barack Obama. Can I just say this, Basinonians? I want somebody that loves the game and is willing to go into the luxury tax. <laughs> and, and we all know President Obama loves the game and, man, he loves taxes. He, he, he does love the game. Wow, look at, look at you making jokes. He, uh, he loves the game. Now, I don't know how much a president makes, but they don't make billions of dollars. So he would have to obviously be part of a bigger group. Well, all, all due respect to Charles Barkley, he doesn't make billions of dollars either. Although Barkley is endorsing literally every product on the face of the earth right now. So he might have billions of dollars. <laughs> yeah, once again, uh, yeah, you got to come up with billions. You can put a group together. There's no doubt. And if, in fact, you had the face of a Barack Obama, the league would absolutely love that, as you could imagine. And by the way, um, he I'm sure he's a billionaire. I'm sure that President Obama is a billionaire. But yes, I don't think he would be the main investor. Do you? It almost feels like he would be 
an investor and yes. the face of the investment group. You always have to, I mean, the Coyotes were owned by like 18 people at once. They always have to have like one or two people that are the face of, of, the, uh, of the group. And obviously Obama, I mean, I just. Well, I mean, even Robert Sarver. Yeah. Robert Sarver, yeah. right? Uh, the majority owner, of course, of the Phoenix Suns. But there were other owners, of course. That would be interesting for free agents. I mean, I don't know how much free agents would want to. I don't. I don't know how much a free agent bases their decision on who the owner of a team is, but that would be such a unique situation. I don't know. I mean, the Suns. I don't think the Suns are in a position where they need more. Um, you know, a few years ago, it was like the Suns need to get back on the map in the NBA. Yeah. They're on the map. That would put them more on the map. Here's uh, one more from Simmons and Barkley. This is uh, Barkley. This might have been before that clip saying he's not interested. Well, you know, the problem is there. My phone has been blowing up. But I'm telling like, guys, I am very well paid, but I don't have $4 billion just sitting around. Because, you know, the, the team is probably going to go for like $4 billion. Yeah. And, yeah, I got money, but I'm not even, like, like I say, and, and, I, and I'm not going to waste a lot of money for 5% so I can say I'm one of the owners of a team. I'd rather right. have that, and I'd rather have that money because, yeah, my ego's not like, yeah, I'm one of the owners of the Suns. I got twenty million dollars in it. I own like a percentage. I'm like, no, nah, I'd rather rather have I'd rather have the twenty million dollars personally. <laughs> and number twenty million, Chuck. Barkley makes that um, in like a day now. Yeah, yeah I know. Uh, you know. Everything you said though, it, take, it makes so much sense, doesn't it? I mean, there. I guess there are some people out there that really want that. They, they, they would value that. Yeah, but you know who those people are? They're not. They're not a former professional athlete. Like if you right. are somebody like, hey, right. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give twenty million dollars. Just want to be around that yeah. at some point. He's already right? around it. He's he's getting paid. He's lived it to sit there on on the TNT show, which by the way is great. But if you watch that show, it's Barkley. Kind of arguing with yeah. Shaq, and then you know Kenny Smith will come in, and then they go to commercial, and it's a Barkley commercial for Subway, and it's a Barkley commercial for this, and a Barkley commercial for that, and then they come back. Right, that's a pretty good gig. I don't know that he'd be able to keep that if he was part owner of a team. Yes, you definitely want an owner that is going to come in here and truly love the game of basketball. Yet at the same time, I want somebody that is dripping. <laughs> okay, and I've made no, I've I, absolutely. What are you shaking your head for, Mal? Straight cash. Straight, Straight cash, <laughs> homie. Get Randy Moss in I just want somebody that's going to come in here and go, Psh, $4 billion. I got $400 billion. Yeah. Cam Johnson, what's he asking for? $90 million? Let me just peel that Exa- off. Exactly. Luxury tax? What is the luxury tax? Luxury tax. I want whoever we it is. We don't need no stinking luxury tax. I want them to be so rich the NBA has to implement a an additional luxury tax on top of the luxury <laughs> tax because the Suns are just spending exactly. so much that's, money. That's what I would love to see. Uh, James Jones, when he was on with Burns and Gambo yesterday... Talked about Devin Booker taking another step this season. Devin's always had the desire to be a complete player. And, you know, he moves on from mastery uh, of one craft to mastery in another area. And I thought coming into the season, he would he would take a step forward in handling the ball, decision-making, understanding that teams would trap him, um, really having a command of the offense and, and getting guys in the right spot so that they can be effective. But then defensively, he's really, um, he's taking another step. I, I think it's, the game is slow down and, and more importantly he has the the bandwidth and the capacity to play both ends of the floor at a high level uh, it's really taxing when you're asking a guy to score 30 points a game uh, sometimes his mental reserves can be tapped but he's, he's proven that 
um, from a physical standpoint, uh, from an emotional standpoint, he's ready to take a larger role, and he's been doing that early in the season. Yeah, score 30 points a game and play defense and also run the point. <laughs> Anything And get better every year, Book. He really is, man. I mean, he's he's one of the best players in the basketball universe. And when I say that, I'm talking about single digits here. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about number five, number six. Um, could you see him win an MVP? Yes. And when we talk about Devin Booker and his game, he's, he's a complete basketball player. We were talking about this earlier. I love this about Devin Booker. The fact that he is a two-way player. Period. He can score the basketball with the best of them, and then he's going to play defense as well. Be legendary. We all understand what that means in terms of Devin Booker and Kobe Bryant telling him to be legendary. The only thing he's got left is to win a championship, and he will be legendary. Do you see what just happened? I don't think you did because he walked by behind you, but we started talking about Devin Booker, and Kellen Olsen just appeared. No way. He just well, he walked out that door, but he just appeared by the window and walked out. That's a big shadow. Uh, yeah. The uh, the thing with Booker, too, is it's not that long ago where his defense was, was a weakness or considered a weakness. And he has shored that up quickly. Indeed. It is, it's, he has crossed that. He's crossed the point from like, hey, this guy's really good. And he's awesome locally and people nationally don't get it. And, and you, no, now he's just that great where everybody gets it which is a process. Join Kona Big Wave this Sunday for a Red Sea Road Rally as the Cardinals take on the Vikings. Enjoy great prizes, ticket giveaways, and food specials all game long this Sunday at Phillies off Priest Drive in Tempe. When we come back, how are the Cardinals approaching a showdown with Justin Jefferson? Vance Joseph just addressed that. We'll tell you what he had to say next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Well, if I might have a problem, I was looking at a mock draft during the break. Okay. Just wanted to, because we were talking about the Colts earlier, and I'm, okay. I'm fascinated by if they're just pulling the plug on this season, are they, like, trying to get a quarterback or what? And I, I'm already seeing, like, names being yeah, like, Yeah, right now, I, I think it's, it is definitely time for them to start looking for that quarterback in the draft, and... You tell me that Matt Ryan's got another year left on his contract at $19 million. Maybe you just keep him around just for that. Player coach. Uh, Vance Joseph. He's going to have his hands full on Sunday against this Vikings offense. Now, this Vikings offense, as I said earlier, is only scoring not even a point per game more than the Cardinals. Should throw in there some of those those points that the Cardinals have scored are based on their defense scoring touchdowns. But it doesn't matter what the Vikings are scoring. It matters that they are absurdly healthy for a Week 8 matchup and that they have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and K.J. Osborne and Dalvin Cook. They're good. Uh, Justin Jefferson in particular is the one that if he has a good day against you, you probably don't have much of a chance. So Vance Joseph was asked about Jefferson and, and how they uh, how they plan on treating him. We don't. I mean, he's a special player, obviously, and you know by numbers he's getting the ball, you know, two to one, 
to the second guy. So it's no different than Cooper Cup or Adams or um, the big guy in Seattle. What's his name? DK Metcalf. So so many guys every week. So I lose track of these names. But um, no, I mean he's 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 a special player, and he's been that way for three straight years. We saw him last year. He, he made some plays last year. It wasn't bad, but obviously the plan's always to keep those guys from hurting us. One of the reasons why the Minnesota Vikings, even though they don't have what I would call a prolific passing game, one of the reasons why the Minnesota Vikings are in the top 10, number 10 as a matter of fact, in terms of passing yards per game, is because of their great wide receivers. And Justin Jefferson, man, this guy has moved into the top three wide receivers in the National Football League. He's that good. He might be number one, honestly, on yeah. any given week. Um, it's still early in his career, but he, he really might be. It's funny to hear Vance Joseph reference those receivers, right? Because there was a Devontae Adams, so the Cardinals have already played him. Two catches, 12 yards. Cooper Cup, they've already played him. Four catches, 44 yards. And again, I always say this with Cooper Cup. If you don't think holding Cooper Cup to four for 44 is ridiculous, <laughs> watch Cooper Cup play against another Correct. team. And when you're like, wow, he has 13 catches for 178 yards tonight. It's incredible. It's unbelievable. Yes. And, and the big guy in Seattle, as Vance Joseph called him, DK Metcalf, they held him to two catches for 17 yards. They're going to have to... I don't know if it's as simple as Byron Murphy. I don't think it is. I think it certainly helps to have Byron Murphy, but they're going to need a monster effort from their secondary because Justin Jefferson can end you. He can have one of those 200-yard, three-touchdown games if you're not careful. You know what's so weird about it as well, Basin audience? Well, when you think of the Arizona Cardinals and their defense, um, they're number 25 in passing yards per game allowed and number 23 in passing yards per play allowed. Both both those are in the bottom third, of course, of the National Football League. And yet when you look at the secondary for the Arizona Cardinals, when you look at would you say Byron Murphy has played well? Uh, yeah. Would you say Marco Wilson has played well? Not as good as Byron Murphy, but yeah. But yeah, yeah. You, you would. Um, would you say Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson are good? It's, yes. Just lock them in. It's just, so it just doesn't fit to me. And what is that? Well, it's it's getting to the quarterback, in my opinion. Number 29 in sacks per attempt. That's what it is. It's, it's getting pressure on an opposing quarterback. So when we talk about the trade deadline coming up, there are two areas you think of. I think of offensive line, and I think of edge. Yeah, and that's frustrating because Edge is something we were talking about, everybody was talking about during the entire offseason and during training camp. And that number you just threw out there, that's accounting for a five-sack game against the Seahawks, too. But offensive line is probably more urgent at this point because I just read you that injury report. It yeah. took me like 18 minutes to read the Cardinals' side of that injury report. And everybody from the offensive line, it feels like, is on there. DJ yeah. Humphreys, uh, Justin Pugh, Rodney Hudson, Max Garcia, Cody Ford is on there. You know what? I read that injury report before, Wolf, and I, we went through, and there was there was six did-not-practices and seven more limiteds for the Cardinals, and everybody was just fine for Minnesota. That doesn't even account for Rashard Lawrence, who's who's on IR. Like It doesn't even account for those guys. This happens to be, I would say, the best interior defensive lineman for the Arizona Cardinals. Well, 
that's not great to not have him then. And Vance Joseph did address that as well. First, though, here's uh, here's Vance Joseph on Byron Murphy. No, he, he's he's not there yet. I mean, he's he's still growing each week as a player. He's he's definitely different than he was three years ago. I mean, he is he's a real guy. Um, he wants to cover the best guys each week, and he's done a good job doing it. And, I mean, his his confidence, his football IQ is so high right now. You know, so I don't worry about him. You know, and we really talk about him in the meetings, which is a good thing. You know. So if you talk about a player too much, it's kind of a bad thing. You know, he kind of blends in and he plays well. And, you know, he's, he's not being challenged a lot out there uh, on Sundays. But um, he's grown, man. And he's a, he's a really good corner at this point of his career. Wow. In other words, what was the begin? What was the question they asked? The him. Do you know I, what I don't the know question, what the question was? was the right the cut is just started. Let me hear. Well, the, the cut. The cut is labeled Murphy's not a finished project, so I'm oh, guessing, oh, okay. which there I think go. would mean finished product. I'm guessing somebody said, "Is he a finished product?" No, he, he's he's not there yet. I mean, he's he's still growing each week as a player. There, there you go, right there. That is excellent use by you. <laughs> Playing the sound that cleared it up for me right there, Byron Murphy, man. Um, yeah, he can get better. There's no doubt about it. But Byron Murphy, I think, has been the most improved player this year. I said that last. You said that year. like on October 27th last year. I know. I said that last year, and he was. He got so much better, and all of a sudden, in the last third of the season, he kind of took a nosedive. As the entire With all of defense his teammates. did, yeah. right? So <laughs> can't blame that on him once again. But he he's gotten better and better and better every year. Yeah, the most improved Cardinals this year. He's he's probably you're probably right. He is at the top of the list. But uh, Eno and Zach Allen definitely on that list. Zach too. Allen. And Zayvon Collins, because of where I started with him, the expectation. He's not up there with Byron Murphy, isn't. Um, but Zayvon Collins, I, I was terrified. I was terrified um, based on what some people were saying. Some people were saying. Some people were actually saying about um, you know Zayvon Collins and the you know the fact he was he wasn't wearing the green dot and and he they. There was some concern. Yeah, there was a lot of concern. <laughs> can I just say that. that he he is surpassing a lot of the expectation that I had, and because of that, I think he's improving. All right, we're done. Thanks to Aaron Maloney, Jesse Morrison <laughs> behind the glass for Wolf. I'm Luke. We've got Burns and Gabo next right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.